You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, if you wanted to see a really good Packer game, which is not the point of the preseason, you didn't really get to see it in terms of, you know, just like if this was week one, you'd be pretty disappointed. However, for what you're looking for in the preseason, that was pretty interesting. When you're looking at certain guys that you've written off and you've kind of done your 53 and you're like, all right, I think I got it set. And then you're watching the game and going, "Mm, all right, let's think about this. You know, Samori Ture. I'm just saying. So, you know, oh, well, well, we'll get there. I don't need to rush into that. I think in some cases it sort of answered questions. So, and I know I say this all the time, but the intention of this is to kind of go pretty quickly. Um, don't have a massive amount of thoughts. So we'll see how these things manifest as we go through. But I kind of want to just give my thoughts overall. Why don't we... Let's do the stats. So the Chiefs, again, they won 17-10. I know some people care about that. You absolutely shouldn't. It does not matter. That's not the point. I mean, I'm not saying you can't root for the team to win, or, you know, I know the players want to win and all that, but some people act as though that's somehow a reflection of the team when the guys that aren't going to be playing go up against the other team's guys that aren't going to be playing, and we lose by seven. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't have that effect on me. It's, you know. Anyways, Jordan Love, 16 of 26, 148 yards and a pick. Danny Etling, 10 of 13, 97 yards. If you hate hearing people say Danny Etling is better than Jordan Love, you're going to hate these next couple of weeks because <laughs> you're going to hear it. Because, um, again, Etling had better stats. Yes, against third. I'm not arguing for it. I'm just telling you it's coming. Don't yell at me. Just letting you know. Um, running backs. Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson both had just seven carries. I could swear they both had 12. Feels like they were on the field a lot. But uh, Patrick Taylor actually somehow having a better day. Seven attempts, 34 yards. His longest was 11. It's almost right at five yards per carry. Tyler Goodson, seven carries, 28 yards. 24 yards was his longest, which, wait a minute. Does that mean he had six carries for four yards outside of that? Okay. Um, Amari Rogers had three carries for 17 yards. Danny Etling trying his little trickery had one for seven. Um, Dexter Williams, three for seven. Jordan Love, one carry, five yards. Receiving Samori Ture, star of the day, eight targets, six receptions, 83 yards. He also had a pass kind of rocket behind his back. Sure would have been nice if that would have been a little bit more accurate into him and whatnot, but whatever. Great day for him. Amari Rogers, four targets, four receptions, 39 yards. Tyler Goodson was five for five, 26 yards. Sal Canella, two for two, 18 yards. A guy that I really wish we would have seen more of. I feel like every time 
Every time he was out there, he did a good job as a receiver. I was enjoying watching him. Patrick Taylor, 3-for-3 for 17 yards. Running backs had a pretty decent day. Travis Fulgham, finally got him on the board. Two targets, one reception, 16 yards. Tyler Davis, two targets, one reception, 16 yards. Romeo Dobbs, three targets, two receptions, 13 yards. Ishmael Hyman, one target, one reception, 10 yards. Jawan Winfrey, six targets, one reception, seven yards. Six targets, one reception. Woof. And no, that is not Winfrey's fault. We'll get into that. And then uh, Nate Becker, Josiah DeGuara, and Elise Mack were uh, one target, zero receptions. Jack Heflin, four tackles, one assist, and a forced fumble. He and Abernathy kind of led the team in tackles, each with four. Quay, on the other hand, though, did have also five total, but it was three tackles and two assists. Otherwise, not a ton. Don't see a single sack in the game, which is really disappointing. Uh, Zero interceptions. Zero fumble recoveries, just the one Jack Heflin forced fumble. So again, the defense did a good enough job in terms of keeping the score low, but really no splash plays like at all. So, and, and again, the other disappointing thing is a lot of the time it was a lack of coverage. You know, when the guys are getting there, the ball's out immediately, immediately, immediately. And then the other time is when guys get there, they're so spread out. They're all like three yards apart and the quarterback can run anywhere he wants. There's these giant lanes you can run a truck through. And it's like, it's just, that's never going to be... That's no good for anything. Special teams, Ahmed, uh, one for one on his field goals from 23 yards. Extra point, one for one for four yards. Uh, I got to be honest, I'm a little thrown off by the whole, I'm going to just smash into your kicker just because I feel like it, and basically nothing happens. I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Pat O'Donnell, six punts, 56 yards average. His longest was a 69-yard banger. Kickoff returns, Tyler Goodson had two of them which is very important information because, as I said, if he's going to get on the team, it's going to be because of his um, return ability. And you can tell, based on the fact that they're giving him a shot, that they're kind of like, we should give this guy a shot. You know what I mean? In other words, we would really like for him to be the number three. We need to find a way to make that happen. I know. Let's let him take some kick returns. And he had more than anybody else. Amari Rogers had one. Rico Gafford had one. Tyler Goodson had two. Um, he did have the longest return of the night of 19 yards. His average was 13.5. Rico's average was longer at 17, but you know. Uh, and then Ishmael Hyman was our punt returner for no yards, I guess. So that's that from a statistical standpoint. Packers did have better control, uh, time of possession, 33 minutes compared to 27. They had more first downs at 17. Three for 13 on third downs, which is obviously not great. I thought they were doing a great job to start off. And then uh, it must have just been like three early on or something because I was real excited about it. And I don't know, three for 13 surprises me. And then 0 for 1 on fourth down, 327 total yards. Average 4.5 yards rushing, which is great. The Chiefs only had 3.8. Red zone efficiency, the Packers are 0 for 2. Goal line, uh, goal to go efficiency were 0 for 1. So that's that. All right, let's, um, let's go through the individual positions and players and whatnot and we might as well get this one out of the way first, because nobody seems to agree with me, and that's, I guess, fine. I don't know why... Let's put it this way. I've been really impressed with Jordan Love in this preseason. His game against the Saints was incredible. Not perfect, but really good. His deep ball accuracy was nearly perfect. He was hitting guys right in stride, right in the hands. It was absolutely beautiful. This was not that. He could not connect down the field to save his life. That, that Jawan Winfrey one reception on six passes, that was Jordan Love. 
He could not connect to, um, with Jordan Winfrey to save his life. Overthrow after overthrow after overthrow. So I watched it and I was disappointed. I was like, I guess this isn't as good of a game. He's he's not he's not as accurate. He's missing on a lot of throws. Um, he had one play that I don't know where it was going. Just kind of landed in the middle of no man's land. It could have been a throwaway, but you usually try to throw it out of bounds if you're going to do that, not ten yards in front of the receiver. Had another play that could have easily been picked, and then threw a inexplicable pick in third. You know in uh, triple coverage when that was not necessary because there was plenty of time on the clock and plenty of timeouts. And he had Amari Rogers just sitting there wide open for an easy first down. I mean, there was nobody near him. So he could have caught it and ran, went down, timeout, stay alive. But anyways, the the crazy thing is I went to Twitter and everyone was like, that was, he's doing so good outside of that one pick. He's having a great day. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the only thing I can think is for some players, they just want a Brett Favre. I don't care about the bad. Just give me the highlights because he had some highlights. You know, as, as long as you have like six passes that are like, dang, that was a great pass. We just block out the rest or some people do. So they, they just want a Brett Favre. Three touchdowns, three picks. 50% of your passes are like, you know, 40-yard bombs that get caught. And then 50-yard, 50% of your passes are like, what the heck are you doing? I'm good with that. Just give me give me the highlights. Give me the high. I don't want the highlights. And I've said that before. I'm content with with a five yard pass. I want to see Jordan Love consistently move the ball down the field. That's what I want to see him do. Not fifty percent of the time it's a good pass and fifty percent of the time it's a bad pass. Consistency down the field, smooth operation. He didn't do that this week. Just flat out. Um, you know, in, in the other games, the box score did not represent Jordan Love because it was so many drops. This wasn't that. There, I don't think there was a single drop in this game. The box score is very representative of what he did, and I don't think the box score is great. The interception was 100% his fault. It didn't bounce off somebody's hands. It didn't get dropped into somebody's lap. It didn't bounce off somebody else's face. It was a bad decision and a bad throw. So, I mean, it just, it just wasn't a great day, and I was just shocked to see everyone say, oh, that was his one bad play of the day. Like, what are you talking about? I'm the only guy that saw him overthrow Winfrey by himself like three or four times? Uncatchable. Or the pass to the tight end in the flat. You could say that was the tight end's fault for not, you know, running that the right way. I don't know. But, you know, I have a hard time not blaming the quarterback on that because if he's supposed to be in a different spot, fine. He's not there, though. You're staring at him. Throw it to him. The, the tight end isn't moving in a different direction. He's going in one direction. Throw it to him. And, and if you watch the pass, it looked like it came out of his hand a little funky. Even when Rodgers does it sometimes, it's like, well, you're supposed to be over here. It's like, but he wasn't. So don't throw it over there. You're staring at him. <laughs> throw it where he is. And then yell at him after the play, after he catches it. So, no, I, I didn't think it was a great night for Jordan Love. I thought he had some really good throws, which is great. But so what? Danny Etling has great throws. Justin Fields has great throws. Mitch Trubisky has great throws. For crying out loud, everybody in the NFL that has ever stepped foot on a football field, Deshaun Kaiser has had amazing throws. Brett Hundley has had great throws. The difference between... A guy that I can trust to run an NFL offense and a guy that's a perennial third-string backup is consistency. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. So you can show me five, six, seven really good passes on a night when he threw the ball 27 times or whatever, and I don't care. It's irrelevant to me. It was a bad night. And, you know, people want to argue, well, Rodgers throws bad passes sometimes. Yeah, but I'm not talking about some bad passes sometimes. I'm talking about half of his throws are off. Well, that happens to Rodgers sometimes. Yes, Rodgers has bad days, and Jordan Love had a bad day. That's what I'm saying. 
The problem is Jordan Love has never been able to string together enough games to be consistent. That's why I said he had one really good game against the Saints. I think the, the week before against the 49ers was kind of debatable. It was certainly, in my opinion, better than this game. But, you know, eh, missed a little bit. But that's that's all I wanted to see. Just just, just a smooth operation. And, and he chose to throw the ball. Maybe it was just the way the Chiefs are playing, but a lot of those were, were more difficult throws. But again, he still missed. And the point is, he didn't miss last week, which is why he had a good week. So it doesn't make any sense to praise him for it. And then when he doesn't do it, be like, well, it doesn't matter. He's still good. Well, then what, what, what did he do good last week? Apparently, it wasn't the fact that he was on target because that doesn't even mean anything. I guess Jordan Love gets a participation trophy just for showing up. I don't know. I have no idea what we're doing here. And I don't like being this guy because I've been a Jordan Love defender since day one, but it's absolutely absurd the levels people are going to defend that performance. That was not starting NFL caliber quarterback play. Well, you're spoiled by Aaron Rodgers. No, I'm not. Last week was nowhere near Aaron Rodgers good, but it was a good performance. This week, also not Aaron Rodgers, but not good. Certainly not his worst performance. It wasn't the end of the world. Again, he had some really nice throws in the game, but it's not the good that's concerning me. It's the bad. So I I, I guess it's fine if you want to Really just be just be excited about the good and be like, well, whatever. It's no big deal that he had some bad throws. Okay. But we're probably looking for different things. I guess you're, you're trying to see if he can throw a good ball, uh, which I, it, to me, I don't care because I've already seen it. I know he can. He doesn't need to prove that to me anymore. I know he can throw a 20-yard pass across the middle to somebody. I get that. I've seen that. I want to see command of an offense. I want to see consistency, not killing drives by overthrowing a guy by 10 yards. And, and I, I got to be honest about one more thing. I'm, I'm so tired of the second string, third string thing, because everybody uses that as an excuse for everything. And they use it in both directions, right? Jordan Love is garbage because he can't even car- carve up like a second and third string defense. And then on the other side, Jordan Love deserves so much praise because imagine how much better he'd be with a first. He's only working with second and third stringers. Just stop it. It's both. It's both. It cancels each other out. Stop it. I'm sorry. Jordan Love wasn't doing better against the first string. You know why? Because there was more pressure. It made it harder. There's going to be better DBs. There's going to be more disguised coverage. It's a completely different game. But that's not the point. That's entirely beside the point. We don't need to be throwing out, well, he was with second stringers. So what? What does that have to do with overthrowing a guy? What does that have anything to do with what we're talking about? Nothing. But the problem is everybody just wants to jump in and just start slinging garbage at the wall to see what sticks. Well, he's uh, third string. Sorry, what? Juwan Winfrey's third stringer. So? What does that mean? The third stringer got open, and you missed him. What's your point? It's just, it's just, it's, it's, no matter what side of the argument you fall on, it's kind of silly. It just is. Because no matter what you say, the opposite is also true. Whether you're trying to be negative or positive. So just stop saying, I'm so tired of that. So, I mean, it is what it, all, all I'm saying, it doesn't matter. We're moving on. Jordan, or Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback uh, week one. I'm not making any sweeping declarations. I'm not saying he'll never be, because that's what everybody likes to do is overreact to my words and put words in my mouth. So people on Twitter, oh, you, you said he's garbage. No, I, I said he had a bad half, a bad half. Rodgers has had entire bad games. And you know what I do? I come on here and I say, Rodgers had a bad game. And we just move on with our lives. Jordan Love had a bad half, and then it didn't seem to get better after that, in my opinion. 
I look up at my TV and I see him missing Joan Winfrey again. It's like, okay, well, we're not improving, I guess. Not making any sweeping declarations. Again, there's another thing people want to argue about is if you're saying you can't see growth, I do see growth. Just slinging garbage at the wall, man. I absolutely see growth. He was clearly better this preseason than any other preseason. And maybe by next year, he'll be even better. That would be great, especially if Rodgers doesn't come back. Not what we're discussing. The, the only point for me with Jordan Love is against the Saints, I looked at him and said, if that's the guy that's our number two quarterback, I feel confident. Not that he's going to be Aaron Rodgers, but I would just feel confident. The same way I did with Rodgers, by the way. I never thought Rodgers would be the guy that he is. But I saw Rodgers play games similar to what Jordan Love did against the Saints. And I remember thinking, this guy has something. Let's give him a shot because I think he can really do it. If the guy that I saw against the Saints stayed that way this week, which, you know, what he did against the Saints is he threw a lot of deep passes and they went off guys' hands, and that's not what happened this week at all. He missed almost every single one of them. I don't know if he had a a sideline shot. Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't remember perfectly, but I don't recall one. But again, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Overall, clear improvement in the preseason for Jordan Love. I think we would probably all agree that the Saints game was his best, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure how much people loved this performance. Do I feel like he's ready in year three to take the helm? No, I don't. Could be wrong. Maybe he comes in and he crushes it. I don't know. But I, I just, I don't have that feeling in my gut that it would go well. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying, can he be a starting NFL quarterback? I don't think so. I don't think he can. Hopefully we don't have to find out. Danny Etling. Thought he looked good. Does it matter? Not really. Thought he had one bad pass. The rest of them were all pretty phenomenal. It's definitely easy to see why people like the third quarterback. Not a lot of pressure. Kind of just wheeling and dealing back there. And um, obviously the last play of the game should have been a penalty. I don't, I don't think you're allowed to tackle a guy before the ball gets there. But yeah, I don't know. Who knows? The rules don't make any sense to me anymore. Again, you can cream a kicker and um, nothing happens. You can smother a guy as he's trying to catch a pass while the ball's in the air before the guy even gets there. But, you know, if you look at a quarterback the wrong way or breathe on him, then it's like 45 yards and a permanent suspension from the NFL. So I don't know. I think they just kind of make things up as they go along. Running backs, Tyler Goodson, man. I, I really think he's, he's making a push. That run for a touchdown was something special. He's getting the kick returns. Patrick Taylor looks fine. Dexter, I thought, was kind of meh. But I, I just... I guess the question is, did he do enough? You know, I mean, it's, it's one game, two opportunities at kick returner. There's also a question of how much do they really like Patrick Taylor as a special teamer? I don't know that he's necessarily an ace. I mean, he grades out fairly well on PFF. Um, I mean, they, they took Patrick, or um, Patrick Taylor is who we're talking about. They took Kylan Hill over Patrick Taylor last time. I don't think Kylan Hill was necessarily an ace returner. He was decent as a returner. And they thought that that was more valuable than Patrick Taylor was in his, his special team's contribution. So if Tyler can be a decent returner and a pretty quality runner and even marginally decent at other facets of special teams, I don't know, maybe he is the guy. Again, the fact that they gave him those opportunities makes me think that they really want to find an excuse to put him on there. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I'm I'm officially torn on what to do with that, especially since last week in week two, Patrick Taylor got all the starting snaps, right? He was the guy starting off, and that was kind of what clicked it in my mind. Okay, he's the special teamer. They've kind of locked him into that spot. This time it was Tyler Goodson again. And then Patrick Taylor came in for a while, and then it seemed like when when the 
game was kind of getting on the line or when they really needed help, Tyler Goodson is the one they sent out. It's kind of like, you know, it's not really your turn anymore, but you're better at this whole football thing, so why don't you go back out there? Hello. No, I don't want to install Windows. Why don't you get out of my face forever? So I don't, I don't know what to do right now. I, I, gotta, I guess I got to sleep on it a little bit, but I'm pretty torn with that. And I know a lot of people are like, it's Tyler, obviously, but I'm, I'm really not waiting the running as much as everybody else right now. The question is, what do the Packers actually think of Tyler Goodson as a special teamer? If they like him, dial me in. If, if, for all I know, they watch him and they're like, no, nah, never mind, he sucks. It's Patrick Taylor, that's the guy. So I don't know, but that was a beautiful run by Tyler Goodson. It was fun to watch, and I look forward to waking up to many highlights of that, as long as, as well as the offensive lineman, Josh Myers, with a, a great block on that, several other guys. Um, tight ends, I don't think I saw anything from Josiah necessarily. Again, Sal Canella, I really like when he's out there. I think he's a quality receiver. I'm sure, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm hoping is that he gets stashed on the practice squad. I, I, I don't know that he's going to be that guy, but I do hope so. Um, Tyler Davis, I don't know really what he did. He had the one reception. I, I didn't see anything negative, so I'll say he had a good day since I spent so much time trashing the guy. I might as well give him some props, even though I have no idea if he had a good day or not, but I didn't see him get killed on any blocks. Real nice reception. Um, and Mac, I didn't really see, but tight end, you know, it's pretty well, again, it's pretty well locked in my mind. Even, even after Tyler Davis's terrible week last week, it was still pretty clear to me that he was going to be on the roster. So with the Packers, even after that saying, no, we still love the guy and, um, still putting him out there a ton this week. And then him kind of obviously having a better week. It's just, it it further solidified it, but I was already 99%. So we'll put that at 99.9. Um, offensive line, I didn't really notice a ton. It seemed like Jake Hansen was struggling a little bit. I mean, the offensive line was struggling in general, which kind of made me nervous because, um, you know, my son at first was like, well, we don't have our starters out there. And I'm like, that's true, except our offensive line. This basically is our starting offensive line. And I tried to see whenever they'd show a replay when Jordan Love is running for his life. And granted, that was part of the issue today is he was under a lot more duress, which is annoying because last time it was the Chiefs. That was part of what made this frustrating is I wanted him to show up and just shove it down the Chiefs throat. And again, he's under pressure and again, he's missing passes. And it's like, dang it, man. I feel like the Chiefs came into this and they're like, this will be easy. I know how to get to this guy. We're going to bring some extra pressure. He'll get flustered. He, It's just, well, you know, piece of cake. And I did not want that to happen, but... Um, I did notice I was able to pick out Jake Hansen uh, a couple times on a few of those blocks. But again, we'll get more information on that with uh, PFF and the stats. I know Zach Tom had that one penalty, but that is one of the most impressive penalties I've ever seen in my life. The guy was, he was blocking two guys at once. And the guy that he had a penalty against was like 25% of his body was dedicated to blocking that guy. And he stonewalled him with one hand. And, you know, he's not... He's not really like Caleb Jones. He's not known for being large in stature. He was moved to the inside, by the way. I think this is the first time he's played at guard, so it'll be interesting to see what his grade is at guard. That might be, by the way, a move similar to what they did with Tyler Goodson, to where if he's going to play, he's going to play guard, so we might as well put him there and see if we got something. I don't know, but the dude had one arm on him, and you know, I couldn't 100% see that his hand got up to his face, but I wish it didn't because that would have been one of the greatest highlights. The fact that he's 75% dedicated to blocking the other guy. And then this guy comes along, he gets one hand on him and basically grabs him by the chest and holds him dead in his place. And if his hand hadn't drifted up a little bit higher, he would have blocked two guys at once. That was, that was really 
really impressive. I've said a couple times, there's a few times when there's penalties and I look at it and go, I'm not even mad. That's probably one of them. That was impressive. Sucks that he got a penalty and he's going to get docked for it and everything else, but that was really impressive. Um, I did see Rasheed Walker was out there a little bit, which is kind of cool. Be interested to see how he did. I don't know if he's been out there yet. I don't think he has. Um, don't think I noticed much else along the offensive line. I know Manette was struggling at something. Oh, I think didn't Hanson also have the penalty for a false start? That was the other thing. Uh, did he do wide receivers? Dobbs had a decent night. No, nothing super flashy as far as like beating guys down the field. But again, I'm kind of over that. I've seen that. Show me the other stuff. So we're starting to see some of the other stuff. The, um, you know, fighting his way back to the ball and just doing good stuff like that. I, I, I like that. Of course, I'd love for him to have, you know, 110 yards and two touchdowns and all that. That would be phenomenal. But just consistently showing up, making plays. He's not dropping the ball, which is maybe the most important thing. Give me two passes that are caught over, you know, seven targets and two drops. I just just don't want to see that. Very disappointed we didn't get to see Christian Watson. I do think that's going to hurt him um, in terms of how quickly he's going to be acclimated into this offense. It's going to be a very slow, you know, I don't know if we see him week one. If we do, it'll be very limited. And then it'll probably be, because again, it's that whole situation where you have to build a game plan and you're not going to build a game plan around Christian Watson. So how much of your practice is going to be dedicated to getting Christian Watson reps? Very few. So he's not practicing because he's not a part of the game plan. Not saying he's not practicing at all, but he's not getting reps with Aaron Rodgers. He's not getting reps with all these guys he needs to get reps with because he's not a part of the plan. And he's not a part of the plan because he's not getting reps. He's not getting reps because he's not a part of the plan. It's a circular thing. It's why A.J. Dillon didn't get opportunities. It's why all these guys don't get opportunities. Because the, the focus at this point switches from let's get him ready to we need to get ready for the Vikings. And that doesn't really involve Christian Watson right now. So they're going to try to force themselves, I think, a little bit. But I would be surprised if they really push him. I could be wrong, but... They got Sammy, they got Randall, they got Lazard, they got Amari, they got Romeo Dobbs. Maybe they have Jawan Winfrey. All of those guys have a higher comfort level for Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers than Christian Watson does at this point. So that was the biggest reason I wanted to watch him, not just because I wanted to watch him, but I just want him to get some kind of opportunities, keep him out there and let's see what he can do and get him some practice and all that, but whatever. He'll get his, he'll, he'll get his opportunities. Um... Otherwise, I think, I mean, the, the two standouts for me are Amari Rodgers and Samori Ture. Somebody had mentioned a, a breakout game for Amari Rodgers. I don't know that that was super far off because what I was hoping for was kind of checking a lot of boxes. I think his first return was really solid. He took a few hits and he kept on going, picked up a big gain after first contact. We saw him a ton out of the backfield, which is incredible, right? A couple handoffs, which he did a really good job with. And we saw him win as a route runner. I mean, he didn't get a massive amount of separation, but he he got some separation, caught a pass, and there you go. You're, congratulations, you're a wide receiver now. So he kind of checked all the boxes and did some really impressive stuff. Somebody had made a point um, that maybe they're trying to showcase him to trade him. I don't think so. I think they're trying to figure out how to utilize him is what they're trying to do. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I just I don't think so. I think he has a particular set of skills and they're trying to figure out exactly what they are and hone them a little bit, and I think we found one. I think the running thing is is relatively impressive. A lot of behind-the-scrimmage stuff. Running back, um, wide receiver screens, especially when you get Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins, two of the best blocking wide receivers out there. If you do keep Jawan Winfrey, good Lord. Jawan Winfrey, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers. that is the biggest, strongest, meanest 
group of wide receivers, <laughs> that's that's not fun for DBs to have to see. Put A.J. Dillon out there just for fun and Mercedes Lewis. My goodness. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break here? We'll come back, take a look uh, a little bit at the defense, et cetera, et cetera. Also want to look at uh, Patreon, see who said what and how they did. We don't have answers on grades yet, but we can look at some of the, the predictions. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, again, really hard to tell. It's, it's one of those things you really got to key in and see how guys did. I don't necessarily know. Um, I didn't see a ton from Devontae Wyatt when I was staring at Devontae Wyatt, which obviously was, you know, maybe 10% of the time. It's probably more than that. He probably didn't play a ton. But I know, uh, I think it was Dara put up a clip of him with a nice little spin move. So, But I, I, I generally think overall, just general impressions, the defensive line kind of got spanked again. Um, I think the there wasn't a lot of push as far as pass rush. Probably did a slightly better job stopping the run than they have in the past, but still too many times where it's like, come on, guys, especially when it's the dang quarterback, man. That just that makes me crazy. But nothing really happened that's going to change who I think my six are, especially since Jack Heflin is the guy that's supposedly on the bubble. I've had him as my number six since day one. That obviously isn't going to change. He had If anybody had a big day along the defensive line, it was Heflin. So I don't think anything changed. I think Devontae Wyatt, I think, maybe underwhelmed a little bit again. Uh, I think Heflin kind of secured that number six spot. Not not to say we couldn't keep seven, but I think that was more or less the case. Uh, pass rushers, again, it's disappointing just because they didn't get to the quarterback. Um, I didn't see any splash plays from Kingsley. I'm sure there's a handful. He was out there plenty of time. But, you know, the few times I was looking at him, and maybe I just picked the wrong guys on the wrong plays. But 
I kept seeing him get washed out of the run game, which I know is going to be kind of a, an, an issue for him, but he's done a good job of that in the past. I was actually surprised this preseason to see how good of a job he was doing. I don't think he necessarily did. Um, Ladarius Hamilton, another guy, every time I was looking at him, not great. I saw him really struggle to tackle, especially off the edge when people are getting around him, trying to bring guys down and either missing tackles or kind of getting dragged, which when you're you know, an edge guy, I would expect you to have a little bit more pop. Linebackers, I really liked Quay Walker and Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes wasn't perfect. I think there were once or twice I saw, you know, at least once I saw him get trucked pretty bad. In other words, he was in position to make a stop, and then he just got dragged, I think, for a first down. But Quay, I really liked. I, I was surprised to see a missed tackle out of him because that's the one thing I, I didn't think we'd see. But he almost had the guy down, and he slipped off of him. But you can, I mean, you can see the power. There's, there's so when, when, when there was the, what was that a little, little screen pass or something, or just throwing to somebody in the flat. Man, he teed that guy up. He smoked him. So I, I'm, I'm excited about Quay. I'm sure he's not perfectly refined. He's a rookie. What do you expect? He's got a lot to learn. They got him out there calling plays, directing the defense. He's, he's, he's going through the accelerated PhD program right now, and um, he's going to get a lot of help when the starters come out. You know, for him to be out there basically as the number one guy trying to get the defense set while still trying to learn what he's supposed to do, once the starters come out, he's, he's a little dog again. Devondre Campbell's going to come in. He's going to help direct Quay, make sure Quay's in the right spot, coaching him up. And uh, obviously the guys in front of him are massively going to improve rather than, you know, Jonathan Ford and Wyatt and Heflin. It's going to be Reed, Clark, and Lowry, you know, with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and, again, Devondre there. And it, it's, it's a whole other environment when the starting defense comes out. So didn't notice a ton from the other guys. I, I I don't want to just be negative, but I I, I just, again, the, the few times I noticed them, and it, you got to understand, it, it was pretty hectic. Usually when I'm doing the live streams and everything, we're all very dialed into every single play. I, there was It was my son's birthday party, so there was a little bit of like, hey, can you help me open up my Legos or whatever. Kids with those little uh, noisemakers and everything else. Uh, in-laws came over. They didn't stay for much of the game, but you know, I'm just saying there was, there was stuff going on. So it was more of a trying to catch a glimpse I saw the whole game, but I wasn't as like, all right, here's here's the process for what we're going to do today. Plus, you get to talk it through with uh, some of the other guys as the game's going on, which is probably why there's such a big disconnect between what I saw and what everybody else saw. Because if you got a group of people, everybody kind of, you know, helps fill in the gaps a little bit. Um, and then DB, Shamar, I thought had another good day. He just seems solid. You know, I mean, it's not that he's getting picks or anything like that. It just You just feel comfortable with him. He, he almost is sort of like a starter to where you just trust him. Even though he's going up against number twos, it, it just it doesn't seem like he's, he's confused. It doesn't seem like he doesn't know what's going on. He's just out there. He's making plays. He can tackle the guy in front of him. He's in position. I just, I just trust Shamar. And I, I didn't have you know high expectations when we drafted the guy. I still don't necessarily have high expectations, but it's to the point now. And, and again, it's just a trust thing. That's what I was saying with Jordan. After the Saints game, I trusted him. Now it's kind of like, I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with it. With Shamar, I just feel good with him being on the field. Uh, I'm kind of that way with Keyshawn Nixon, to be honest. Nixon, is a, he's a hard-hitting guy. He's very physical. Seems to be just in the right spots at the right time. Not talking about perfect. He's not Jair or anything like that. I just, I just feel good about him. Rico, I do not. Um, I don't know if it was Rico's fault or Tariq's fault for that touchdown, but that's the second time, possibly even the third time that that's happened to Rico. I know the one time he fell down, the one time I think somebody said it wasn't Rico's fault, it was the safety's fault, and then this one. But there's still like three three times 
I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I feel like it was three times. I know at least once where Rico got spun around, just killed. So Rico makes me, he's, he's, he reminds me of like Kevin King. He really does because Kevin King would make plays that, that really impress you. And he's got the physical attributes that are impressive. But then there are those, those plays that are like, dude, you're killing me here. You're freaking killing me. Rico is, is a physically gifted guy who's made some plays and, and I'm rooting for him and I really want him to do well. But, you know, you certainly don't trust him on the field. Keandre Thomas really liked what he's done in the past. I think maybe he struggled a little bit more in this game. Innis Gaines, I believe, got hurt again. Tariq, I actually thought, had a good game. I, again, I don't know if that touchdown was his fault or not. Probably to some degree it was. But outside of that, it, I, was, I was pleased to see what he did. I think for him to be considered to make the roster, which I don't think he does at this point, but it's not about you need to be perfect what you do as a, as a defender because you're not going to be out there as a safety very much. You need to prove you can do other stuff. And I, I saw him come up and just absolutely clean somebody's clock on defense, you, you know, which, which hard hitter is what you want from him. But then also he made a play on special teams, which is a thousand percent what he needs to be able to do. So again, I don't think that pushed him onto the, the 53-man roster. I would assume that's not quite enough, but um, but that's about it. Again, it, it's not a, there's nothing super amazing or super devastating about it. It just kind of, it's just a step. For some guys, it's just another step of experience like Jordan Love, Romeo Dobbs. Obviously, he doesn't have to fight for a job. It's just more experience for him. Amari Rogers, Zach Tom, Sean Ryan, et cetera, et cetera. I do, I do think the Samori Turia thing is interesting, though. I I'm relatively comfortable with what I said prior to today, yesterday, whatever, of Samori Ture being able to make it to the practice squad just fine. Couple counterpoints to my own point, though. Number one, yesterday's game. <laughs> that put a little bit of a spotlight on him, right? Because what I what I was saying before about Samori Ture, what I wanted to say, like on tomorrow's podcast, when I really dove into why I think he'll make it to the practice squad, was if you really look at his stats, they're not actually that impressive. And there's so many set, well, there's not that many, there was like three wide receivers taken in the seventh round, but you look at sixth round, seventh round, and undrafted free agents, there, there's like 20 Samori Turis out there. We just love the guy because he's ours. There's so many guys. There's undrafted free agents out there that are crushing it right now. And I'm positive the fan bases are saying the same thing. This guy's never going to make it to the practice squad. Somebody's going to steal him. They're so good. But... You add in yesterday's game, and it kind of, uh, I don't know. Here's maybe the biggest thing, though, that, that gives me pause. In a million years, I wouldn't have thought Cole Van, Ladden, Van Lannen wouldn't have made it to the practice squad. Not only would he have not have made it, but apparently there was so much of a market. And I'm not trying to trash Cole Van Lannen. He, he was having a fine preseason and all that, relatively. I mean, it, not, <laughs> not elite by any stretch, but he was fine. But there was so much of a, of a market for Cole Van Lannan that the Jaguars didn't even want to risk having to compete for Cole Van Lannan and gave up draft capital to secure that, that, that you know, getting of Cole Van Lannan. So the point is, we really don't know. We don't know who's out there, got their eyes on who, and, and really likes what they see. It's, it's partly to do with, like, style. You know, the Jaguars are looking for something very specific, and Cole Van Lannan fit that. It's not just a matter of... How good are you? It's do you fit what we want to do here specifically? You know, the, the, the talent level, the pass blocking, the run blocking, the scheme. You know, what did we think about you in college prior to, et cetera, et cetera? 
You know, maybe the Jaguars were like flipping tables when we took Cole Van Landon, and this is an opportunity. They got on the phone, they're like, hey, let us know if you're going to cut him. We don't want to let him, you know, get to to the market. We want him. And so as soon as the Packers got to the point where they realized he was going to go, they picked up the phone, the Jaguars, and they made a deal. But the point is, it's not impossible Samori Torrey makes it, but we have no way of knowing who's got their eyes on this guy. And as much as I want to be like, you know, it's it's obviously ridiculous to assume that everybody's like over the moon like the fans are, because it's, it's just not reality. But it's certainly not impossible if you look at the Bears, let's just say as an example. As bad as that group of wide receivers is, I know you have to take them and put them on your active roster, so what? I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to having them on ours. We just have so many guys. We got Randall and Sammy and Lazard and Amari and Romeo and Christian. And these guys just can't be taken off. How many of these guys for the Bears have to stay? You got your starting three, which, I mean, Equinemius, give me a break, but I, I guess. Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle. Bayless Jones, you just drafted. Nikhil Harry? Who cares? Dante Pettis? Who cares? There's basically four guys that I can see on this team that absolutely have got to stay. And by, I shouldn't even say got to, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it's... If Samori Ture went to the Bears and performed better than Equinemia St. Brown, how many people would be shocked by that? And I'm I'm somewhat of a St. Brown fan, and I'm I'm skeptical of rookies and all that stuff, but I would put it close to 50-50 that he comes in and instantly performs better than EQ. Now, uh, the, the other way to look at this is, okay, so they're going to probably want to poach a wide receiver. Where does Samori Ture rank on the, on the, on the list of guys that are going to get cut? Is he right at the top? Is he 10th? Is he 4th? Even if he's 4th, I mean, as long as he's not number 1, he's not getting poached. But I will say I'm, I'm significantly less confident than I was. I, I think some fans are, are too sure of it, you know, be, because it is a fan thing. We really like him and all that stuff, but um, I think I was too sure that he would make it. I still am more than 50% sure he would make it, but again, it's so much of a crapshoot. You just don't know. And, and again, Cole Van Lannan is proof of that. The fact that he not only wouldn't have made it, but that somebody gave up draft capital for him is just, it's mind-boggling to me. And again, I don't mean that to be offensive. It just, it just I would have been very wrong. And I, I could be very wrong about Samori Ture as well. But I think as a lot of people have pointed out, you got to keep the guys that you want to keep. And if, if some people aren't going to make it, then so be it. But um, at the same time, if you look at it as a 69-man roster, you want to protect the guys that are not going to make it. So just as an example, if you're 98% sure McDuffie's going to clear and only 52% sure that Samori's going to clear, even if you feel like McDuffie is maybe a, more of a contributor or whatever, maybe you stash him and you carry Samori Ture. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. That's, that's, that's all I can really say about that. Anyways, let's see what uh, the hit rate is over on the Patreons. Oh, by the way, uh, Ture Patreon poll, 83% on Patreon said he'll make it to the practice squad. I almost wanted to just run this again tomorrow just to see how many people changed their mind. It was, it was like, uh, 66% that it came in pretty strong. I know the Twitter poll was also around 66%. But anyways, that's not what we're looking at right now. Hot takes. Let's see how you guys did. Craig Andrews says Tyler Davis has a good game. He's overdue and there must be something there, right? Two question marks. He said that last time too when he had his terrible game. 
I'll, I'll, I'll give you half credit for now, Craig. We'll see what PFF had to say. Um, I, I didn't get to see his blocking at all. I just saw his one reception. So from what I saw, he had a good day, but I saw one play out of probably like 25. Jack says, Dexter breaks one for a touchdown. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I wish it would have. Watson goes two for three, 55 yards and a touchdown. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little bit of credit because he would have if he played, but he didn't. Aaron says, Amari will turn everyone into a believer. I don't think he did that, but I'll tell you what, it's pretty close. Um, at the very least, he's gotten people, I think, a little bit more excited, um, especially when you do like gadgety stuff. I think people just generally get a little bit more excited about that secret weapon kind of thing. But again, I thought he looked good on special teams. He looked good as a receiver, and he looked really good out of the backfield. So I, to me, he checked all the boxes. Nothing massively elite, but all of it good. Roger says, Zach Tom continues to impress. I don't know that he did, but I didn't see anything necessarily wrong. I do know the offensive line kind of struggled early, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a slight downtick in his grade. And the problem with that is, now do we look at it and say, okay, he struggles as a guard? Was it the Chiefs? Was it because it was the Chiefs starters? Was it just a bad, maybe he would have done the same thing as a tackle and it was just sort of a down week for, I don't know. Kind of clouds things a little bit. But if he had a great day, then it doesn't matter. That's three great weeks in a row. Two different positions. Just check all the boxes for Zach Tom. Adam says, Jordan Love finally connects on a deep shot that goes for at least 50 yards and isn't dropped. Extra credit, it's going to be Christian Watson that reels it in if he plays. Didn't happen to my recollection. Oh, and before we go, we got a little PFF update here. Nothing super crazy. I don't know if they're going to elaborate on this in a little bit, but offensive spotlight, Packers wide out. Samori Turi caught all six of his catchable targets for 83 yards and four first downs. He forced two missed tackles after the catch, and three of his receptions went for 15 or more yards. Man, I, I don't want to be that guy that starts hyping up a seventh-round pick. I really don't. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself for jumping on the Dobbs train, to be completely honest, but I'm, I'm already there. I, I'm just wondering, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Devontae's gone, and our number one wide receiver is, is fine, but he's nothing super elite. All I'm really wondering is, how far is Samore Ture from being at the top of the pecking order? Like, if he was mixed in right now, do we really think there wouldn't be, like, a day where he would be the top guy, just like everybody else? Like, one day would be Lazard's day, another day you'd have a Dobbs day, a Christian Watson day, a Cobb day. Wouldn't he just be in the mix? I don't know. I mean, it's, he's we have to see him against number one corners and all that. Maybe he just would get swallowed alive. I, I'm not sure, but he looks pretty smooth, man. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I can't. I don't know what else to do here. I like him. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna allow my fandom to take over, I guess. Defensive spotlight, Packers interior defensive lineman Jack Heflin flew to the ball carrier all night, recording five solo tackles, including two tackles for a loss and no gain across 19 run defense snaps. Way to go, Jackie boy. If there was ever any question who the number six guy was, now you know. In fact, he might even be the number five ahead of Wyatt. Not that it necessarily matters. They're all just gonna get rotated, but I'm just saying. Rookie spotlight, Packers offensive tackle Rashid Walker didn't allow a single quarterback pressure over 33 pass block snaps tonight per PFF's first review of the game film. Don't do that to me, man. Don't start making me wonder about Rashid Walker, okay? He's going on the practice squad. Don't mess with me. Offensive line spotlight. Per PFF's first run analysis, the Packers offensive line gave up only five pressures on 43 snaps, while the Chiefs gave up only four pressures on 27 snaps. 
That's right. This is both teams, and they only talk about the Packers. That's kind of funny. So the Packers gave up five pressures. None of them are Rasheed Walker. I know at least one of them is Hanson, so that leaves four out there. I wonder if any of those were on uh, Zach Tom. That's the only thing my mind cares about right now. <laughs> Don't be Zach Tom, please. See if uh, any of these other statistics are somewhat interesting here. Uh, see, Jordan Love, 61.1 passer rating. Yards per carry, Amari Rogers was the highest at 5.7. Samori Ture, 10.4 yards per target. That's it. Nothing else. All right, well, we'll check back in on this tomorrow. If they're as slow as they have been, we may not get any PFF data for quite a long time. But hopefully we do. But I got to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a flantablous, which is the best kind of day you can have, day ever. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.